0: So, this is very unique. Um, I'm looking at a room of people and some people on TV and all this, so I'll do my best to be engaged with everyone, so bear with us as we navigate technology. Nice to see you. Glad you made it. Welcome. Um, I want to share a little bit today as we're, we're closing out the book of Leviticus, and I think I've probably beaten this horse to death thus far, that this is a hard book. The book of Leviticus is difficult, and there are some, some challenging bits of subject matter. But I think today, actually, we might be getting to the most difficult section of the book of Leviticus. If you haven't read the Torah portion, it's okay. I'll summarize it for you. It's two portions, two parashot, one is called Bahar, which means on Mount Sinai, or on the mount, And the other is called Bechukotai, which is my statutes, in my statutes. Um, And the first part, Behar, talks about the sabbatical year and the jubilee, or the Shemitah and the Yovel. The second portion talks about is our first introduction to the blessings and the curses, which is... You know, not real exciting, but that's what the second portion is, the curses. If you don't do the things that God says, he says, I'll withhold blessing. That is a rebuke. That's a curse. And we can see why reading material about being cursed would be difficult, but that's not actually what I'm referring to when I talk about difficult, uh, difficult subject matter. My point today is that the sabbatical year and the yovel, the jubilee, they produce some of the most difficult things for us to ponder. And you might ask yourself, why? Why? talked so far about the sacrificial system we 've talked about blood sacrifices we 've talked about dietary laws we 've talked about sexual purity we 've talked about like yom Kippur and we 've covered this deep theological sea of how sacrifices work in god 's economy and you 're telling me that the, sh- the, the seventh year sabbatical where we let their land rest and the fiftieth year where we have a shofar and we We blow it and the land rests. You're telling me that's more difficult than understanding how Yom Kippur takes away sins? It seems pretty basic and easy. Well, trust me, I can make anything difficult for you. And that's what I want to do today. Actually, I want to challenge us because in the process of considering this difficulty, we grow. And so we're going to leave a positive mark of Messiah on the world when we're done today. Uh, because all those things that I just mentioned are deeply spiritual. They're theological. They're, they're, they're theology. And I'm not even talking about theology and why this is difficult. What I'm talking about today and what these Torah portions do is they offend and challenge the Western mindset. They offend the American capitalist mind. Not theology, economy, money. They challenge us in this great American question of ownership. I own this. This is mine. I earned this. I get to keep this. What is mine is mine and not yours. And that's a very shallow description of the American mentality. I know that's not how we all are. But capitalism drives our society's success. What we do, what we build, what we earn. This concept of mine, my property. But before we get into looking at any of that, I want to talk about the basic attribute that we all should possess as children of God. And we want to say we do, and we want to say we've got it in spades, and it's called faith. Faith is what we're supposed to build our relationship with God on. There's a lot of things about God that we can't see. There's things that we only have read and we believe them, and that's called faith. But this sabbatical year, I want you to consider the faith. Now, first of all, I realize it's a little hard to relate to because it's not even in play right now. We don't live in Israel. We don't have a seventh year sabbatical where we're we're doing this, but consider what's happening. All of our heroes in the Bible have great and amazing faith, and we're supposed to, but there's a first challenge that comes up when we consider the idea of letting the land rest. Many of us, myself included, consider most often that what we have is because of us. It's because of our effort that we have the things we do. And that's not true. The only reason you have what you have is because God gave it to you. And the Shemitah gives us a test. It says in Leviticus 23 in our portion, six years you shall sow your field, six years you shall prune your vineyard, gather in its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field, prune your vineyard, your harvest aftergrowth you shall not reap, your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the sabbath products of the land for yourself for food for you your male and female slaves your hired man your foreign resident those who live as aliens with you even your cattle and your animals will have food your land shall produce crops for all of them to eat now listen what's the test in that God's asking one simple question do you trust me Do you trust me? I'm telling you, don't do anything. Don't plant anything, don't harvest. And I will provide food for you, not for one, but for two years, right? Because you sow in the sixth, you harvest in the seventh, you harvest, you have nothing, but he's gonna bring food in the eighth. And then you have to sow seed in the eighth, so you're still going into the ninth year before you even get anything. Do you trust me, he says, to to do that for you? Because that's a lot of food Think about all the people Including cattle and animals I eat a lot but I don't eat as much as a cow And he's telling me he's going to give it All for three years And God you don't want me to do anything You're just going to make it work Yes do you trust me It's hard to draw a parallel But imagine this Imagine your favorite grocery store Kroger, Publix, wherever it is Imagine Kroger sends an email, puts a sign out, and says, Guess what? We're closing the door for two years. But don't worry about it. When you come to the parking lot, there's going to be all the food you need. It'll be there for the next two years. Guys, we just had a toilet paper scarcity. Do you see how that worked? (laughs) Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine What would happen if that took place? And in essence, that's what God's saying. It's an agricultural society. Clearly, they had livestock and different things. But these are these are. This is how I feed my family. I make bread, and you're telling me to just give it up? Yeah. Do you trust me, man? I don't know. That's kind of hard. Yeshua made a similar point. I think we all, it it probably should come to mind when we think about our daily provision, right? He's not even talking about the Shemitah year. He's talking about every day. He says, why do you stress out? Why do you stress out about what you're gonna eat? God provides for the birds. Why Why do you stress about what you're gonna wear? The lilies of the field look better than Solomon. God gives you what you need, Don't worry, he says, don't be anxious. And I love this, he says, don't worry then saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I think Jesus just insulted Gentiles. No, he didn't. He's insulting pagans. He's insulting people who do not love and honor and believe in and have faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do we? Yes, we do. So we should live like that. You know the song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the God is sufficient. Okay, first of all, Jehovah is not even a real word. We know that right, but it's still a song. What does it mean? People say Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's not what it means. It's Hashem Ureh. Hashem Yireh, you know where that comes from? That comes from the Akedah, from the binding of Isaac, the near sacrifice of Isaac, when Abraham saw that God was going to meet his needs and he called this place Hashem Yireh. Adonai sees. Adonai will see to the Lamb. That's That's what Jehovah Jireh means. God sees and he will provide what we need. And he is quite capable of delivering it to us in the right amount, at the right time. And regardless of the relevance of the Shemitah for you or not, that still applies to you today. Everything you need, God will give you in its appropriate time. Do you trust him? That's the question. But there's more to that. There's more than just a test of faith when it comes to the Shemitah because the truth of the matter is God knows your faith whether you have it or not. He'll give you tests along the way. But it's more than that. You see, the Shemitah, imagine if you didn't have to work and could still get the things you need. That's incredible. There's a place that happened once before. Do you know where it was? In the Garden of Eden. God did what needed to be done and Abraham I mean Adam and Eve just kind of hung out that didn't last long less than a day but it was really good when it did and that's what the Shemitah is supposed to be it was supposed to be a time the sages say it's not so much who, who's it for is it for the land well it says the land shall have a sabbath is it for God it says it shall be a sabbath to Adonai But it also says we don't have to work. And so it's all those things. We're letting the land rest. We're giving Adonai a Sabbath. Does he need to rest? No, but he said he'd do it anyway. And we're going to not have to work. And the sages say, you know what the real importance of that, the real point is? So that you can stop pursuing worldly affairs. Stop being so doggone busy all the time and spend some time with Hashem. And that's what they want. That's what God wanted during this. He wanted us to stop working so feverishly in the marketplace and worrying about the things that Yeshua says we shouldn't worry about. And just spend some time with me. That's what the Sabbath is. And how many of us have a difficult time even slowing down for one day? Imagine a year. But COVID-19 has given us actually a little bit of a taste of this. It's interesting that we're reading this portion during this. It's a pseudo-sabbatical. It's a time where we've been forced to slow down. And you know what I've found out? My goodness, I waste a lot of time worrying. My goodness, I waste a lot of time working and working and thinking about all the things that need to be done when instead God's just sitting there like, Let's spend some time together. And, and we have, I don't know, I hope you have over this time where you've been able to draw a little closer to God. And weird, it happens through some coronavirus, but God does whatever He wants, however He wants, whenever He wants. So, strangely enough, we get this picture I'm so far off my notes, I have no idea what I'm talking about now. Uh, But it's okay. It's about loving God. The Shemitah with its faith tests and all this other stuff, you know what it was about? It was about us. And that sounds so self-centered, but that's the God we love. We love him because, you know, he first loved us, but... He cares about spending time with us, and that's what it was really about. Now, listen—that's easy stuff. That's easy stuff. Here's—you ready for the hard stuff from Leviticus? The Yovel, Jubilee! Yay! Sounds so happy. Yeah, yeah, Jubilee, Jubilee. <laughs> it was for some people, but not for everyone. And what is the Jubilee? Seven cycles of seven, complete, 49th year. And then we sound the, the, sh- the shofar at the end of Yom Kippur. And what happens, David? We march into the Yovel. The land gets another rest, a big time rest. Slaves are freed, debts are forgiven, all kinds of amazing things. Land is restored back to its families. It sounds beautiful. Here's a scenario. Imagine you have a piece of land that you got you acquired it it had a 50-year note on it it's a long note but you paid it faithfully you paid it not to mention all the blood sweat and tears that went into working that land producing it landscaping it planting crops making it beautiful and incredible to where you walked outside and you surveyed your land and said ah I own this It's beautiful and wonderful. And then one day you paid off the last bit of the 50-year note. And what showed up at your door? The paid off security deed? It's now officially mine? No. A knock. And it's the original owners of the land from 50 years ago. And they walk in and they say, I want to thank you. You are such a blessing. You cultivated our land. You produced. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And now we'll take it back. Thank you. That's what God said we get to do. Are you, are you jubileeing right now? Are you excited to let go what you invested everything in? Here's an even better one. You loan someone a substantial amount of money at no interest because God doesn't like interest among his people. It's a lot of money and they're not paying you back. They're paying you back a little bit here and there but not much as a matter of fact they've been paying you for 50 years and they still haven't tapped very much into the principle and then it's the yovel guys forgive the debt Now, listen, there's a lot of Jewish law surrounding how this actually works and how much you pay for land and all kinds of things that are measured by the yovel. But imagine it. Are you celebrating with jubilation right now because you got to forgive someone's debt who owes you a bunch of money and hasn't paid you back? Yay, Jubilee. Well, guess what? Is that fair? Is that fair? I'm a capitalist. And I'm a capitalist who believes in evolution, not primordial ooze from the ocean or monkeys. I'm talking about market evolution. Capitalism, man. The survival of the economic fittest. I am a good company. I produce good things, better product, better marketing, better revenue, better company. And guess what? We win. And if you can't hang, you lose and you die. Not literally, but your company dies. You're out. That's market evolution, survival of the financial fittest. And those who can't hang, tough. That's America, baby. Here's the problem. That does actually work well in markets. It does. It has. Capitalism is amazing. Problem is when that transfers to your personal life, and it does. It does. If I better myself and produce for myself, keep myself out of trouble, good for me. If you don't, bad for you. Sorry. I'm stronger. I will survive and you will not. We keep what's ours. You owe me what's mine. I worked for this. It's mine. 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 Do you want to know what's yours? Do you want to know what God says is yours? I can tell you it's written in the Bible. It's in Psalm 24. Here's what it says. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Did you hear that? Nothing is yours. Absolutely nothing is yours. Listen to this. The only reason you have breath is because God loaned it to you. We read in the morning, Elohai neshama, it's the prayer that's said upon going into, we've woken up, we've said, Mode ani, thank you for restoring my soul within me. And then we say, Elohai neshama, and here's what it says in English, my God, the soul you've given me is pure, yitzarta, you created it, or you formed it, and you you, nifachta bi, you breathed it into me. My God, the soul you've given me is pure. You created it, you formed it, you breathed it into me, you guard it while it's within me, and one day you will take it from me and you will restore it to me in the time that is to come. Did you hear that? That says that even your breath is on loan from God. Your very soul. Now that's a wake-up call. Sort of like what might have been the wake-up call when you heard... "Mm -hmm." Time to forgive debts. Time to forget certain things. Time to restore things to their original owners. A reminder that really challenges the me-mind mentality. I don't like it. Now settle down. I'm not suggesting we topple the American free market system. I'm not suggesting that we move to some hippie commune and like sing kumbaya around the evening campfire and share the vegetables we grow. I'm not a communist. I'm not a socialist. But don't miss the message. I told you the Shemitah communicated to us. God wants to spend time with us. He loves us. The Yovel communicates. Why should Israel give property back to its people? It's mine. Why should Israel forgive debts? It's mine. Why should Israel set slaves free? It's mine. No, it's not. We're in it together. We're in it together. Together. Our portion talks about coming to the aid of one who has lost their property. They've descended so far into this destruction spiral in their personal life that they can't get out. They sell themselves into slavery. They're lost. They need a hand. And this is not always easy to do because here's the other unfortunate American reality so often. Well, they got themselves into it. Get themselves out. I've said it I probably said it not even that long ago and I read this portion and I'm like darn it I can't think like that it's true. There are situations where people get themselves into things and you try and you try and you try to help and they just, they just, the, Paul says at one point in Corinthians, release them to the adversary. There are times when people just are not going to get it, but not every time. As a matter of fact, not a lot of the time, but we group everything into, they're not gonna listen. I can't help them. I tried to help them once. Bahar speaks of this family's responsibility. If someone cannot do it himself, if someone comes to this end where he's sold himself into slavery, he's got nothing left, he's got nothing to give, they're supposed to come to his aid. Now, you want to know something? That's your story. That's my story. When it comes to God, how it started, we have no rights or privileges. We have no ability to demand anything from God. We brought nothing to the equation. And we were lost beyond lost. No hope for the future. And what happened? The Redeemer redeemed anyway. And not by money, not by cattle, not by corn, by precious blood. That's what he gave. He gave a lot. And here's the invitation Hashem actually is inviting us when we help to participate in the act of redemption. Redemption. Redemption means saving somebody from something. And, and, and we have the power, when, we, when we're able to do that, we participants in bringing the kingdom, when we forgive debts, when we help people escape bad situations, we give them a new start. Guess who you're acting like? The one you're supposed to act like, who is Yeshua, our rabbi, our master. We are supposed to be his disciples, and when we do that stuff, we're like him. Well, they're never going to change, I'm not going to... That doesn't matter Because you see, if you help someone and they descend right back down into the same path, they'll be there for another seven years once again, or another 50 years. Let God handle that stuff. Just be willing to help and let him do the rest. That's all this thing talks about. So let me close with these important applications. You're sitting in a building right now. Do you, remember how we, do you remember how we came to be sitting in this building? If you weren't here, then you won't. But this was a church called Grace Christian Fellowship. Pastor Matt Goddard, 50, 50 years in ministry. 10 years ago, almost 11 now, amazingly, when we were, had come out of Beth Yeshua and had no place to go, my dad called Matt Goddard and said, hey, you know, can we meet? At the church, he said, absolutely, threw the doors open. And that's not uncommon for Messianic synagogues to be meeting in churches, right? What is very uncommon is what happened just a few years later, and we all know it if we were here, but if you don't, listen to this. Mac Goddard came to me and said, You know what? We want to be a blessing to the Jewish people. We love you guys. We feel like this should be your building and the 26 acres surrounding it. And I'm Like drooling and floundering. Wow, thank you, thank you, man. What can I possibly say? He said, Don't say anything, because do you know, do you know what the truth of the matter is? This is God's. It's all God's, it's always been God's. We had it for a little while, and now he wants you to have it. So enjoy it. That's jubilee and look what we've done not we alone god has done it but 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 look what's been done with the with the helping hand and the new start that that he gave us the other thing i remember is last year at shavuot when we had the all-nighter steve kistreff our, our resident Chabad Messianic Jew who attends the synagogue. He gave a talk last, week, uh, last year over the Shavuot study about Torah and homelessness, Torah and helping, helping the destitute. And do you know how Steve knows about the Torah and the destitute? Because he was a crack addict who lived on the streets of New York for eight years, hustling. Stealing, doing whatever he could do to feed his addictions and alcohol and drugs and every other thing. And so he sat here and he shared a testimony about how important it is to help people. It changed my life forever. But here's one of the most meaningful things. Steve, still as an addict, was walking down the street in Hell's Kitchen or somewhere. And an African American man and his family wife and two kids came walking by and and the guy looked at Steve and he stopped him and he said, You don't remember me, do you? And Steve said, No, I'm I'm sorry I don't. He said, You saved my life. Because the night I was going to kill myself, you talked me off the ledge. Just another addict to addict. Steve, I remember him saying, I worked for this, this homeless addiction place because they'd give me money and I could buy more crack with it. But he said, This guy, that night, I remember he was going to kill himself. And we talked. And he said, Yes, yeah, Steve, you saved my life. This is my wife and my two children. Beautiful daughters. He's something like he he went to school. He became an engineer. Because Steve, crack addict, speaking to another crack addict, lent a hand. It makes me want to cry. It's so incredibly beautiful. And stories like that are some of the things that we learn about when we read the end of Leviticus. book about blood, guts, livers, kidneys. No, it's not. It's about how God wants to be close to you. And he wants you to want to be close to him. And when Yeshua says, forget about all that other junk. Don't worry about your food, your clothes, your money. Don't worry about that. He says what? Seek first The kingdom, Steve and Mac demonstrate the kingdom in those stories. And I know for certain that everyone in this room has demonstrated the kingdom to someone else. But this message, this talk, this Leviticus, this portion, it's just a reminder you know, I see people on the street with signs saying, help us. And I see them saying, God bless us. And I have thought so many times, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'll say anything up here these days. I've been at it long enough. They say, God bless you. And I say, ah, oh, cheater. That's a guilt trip. You don't—you probably doesn't even believe in God. He just knows he'll get, get soft hearted to give money. After Steve's talk, I made a commitment to put money in my glove box, $1 bills, $21 bills, and just keep them around. (laughs) That's not a lot of money. It's really not, but it's something. And guess what? I forgot about it about two weeks later and haven't done it since until I just read this Torah portion. And so application, every message needs an application, right? I think I might up it from $1 to something that actually matters and put that in my glove box. And I'm not telling you it needs to be all money, but do something for somebody. Even if you say they're just going to go buy booze with it, they're just going to go buy more drugs, you don't know that. And it's the truth. And I understand there are families in here who are currently dealing with addiction in children and have been through addiction and all kinds of stuff i'm not minimizing that and i'm not telling you something's wrong because you're having to show demonstrate really tough love to addicts that's not really what i'm talking about here but i'm sensitive to it i'm talking about just helping somebody doing those types of simple seek first the kingdom things And then what's the promise? Because it's all about us always. It really is. God loves us. And he really does do everything for us all the time. But the end of it is seek first the kingdom and all that will be added unto you. So, that's why Leviticus and its closeout is kind of difficult. Because it reminds us nothing is ours and we are disciples of Yeshua, children of the Most High God, who are to seek first the kingdom. Let's do that, can we? In ways that we might not even understand how it could help someone. At the end of the Torah portion, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazak. We said it in Shakrit this morning, we actually yelled it. And we do, because chazak, chazak, v'nit chazak means be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. And so I say that to you all as we conclude Leviticus. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazak. May we all be strengthened to continue to walk in our calling as disciples of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click give online. May the Lord bless and keep you.